Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling more confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TVD Conference. The theme this season is the real future of work. What's really going on with the world of work under the hood? What's changing? What's not being said? We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I spoke with an amazing array of people from Dan Pink to Harvard University professors, TikTok superstars, data specialists and generational experts, all live on Twitter spaces. What follows is a recording of that space, so it's more conference call than podcast booth. Sponsors are incredibly important to me, and I am proud to say Ecology are back, and they planted a tree for every live listener we had. We're over 15,000 trees in the TBD forest now, and you can start planting your own over at ecology.com. That's spelled E-C-O-L-O-G-I dot com. Workplace by Meta also came on board this season. Their familiar features help everyone work together in new ways and whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. It's very, very cool indeed. Make sure you never miss a moment of Mouthwash by signing up for the newsletter over at mouthwashshow.com. And you can also get a text alert over at mouthwash.norby.live. Very handy for busy people. Check out all those links in the description too. As with all good podcasts, please share it on a network you trust and leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Please enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TBD Conference, the conference that attendees say is like Ted without the bullshit. We're flipping it up this season. We'll be live on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. So you get the same amount of mouthwash just spread over the middle of the week. Uh, It's a reflection of the times, really, and a changing world of work, which is our theme for this season of mouthwash, the real world of work. This season, we're exploring what's working, what's not. We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I want to know what's really going on under the surface, where it's all going and how we're going to get there. I have an amazing cohort of people joining me this season from multiple best-selling authors, Dan Pink and Gretchen Rubin, to brand new startups who are creating new models for the metaverse. I'll also be joined by experts from Harvard University, behavioral psychologists and TikTok superstars. Check out the full lineup and previous episodes of Mouthwash over at mouthwashshow.com. And I'm proud to say we are sponsored once again this season, this time by the folks over at Workplace by Meta. Whatever you bring to work uh, to help you, uh, Workplace celebrates it. Their familiar features help uh, everyone work together in new ways. So it's a great place to work and make sure yours is too. Visit workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. It's very, very cool indeed. Okay, on with tonight. Uh, Joining me tonight is Rick Pastor, author of Grip, The Art of Working Smart and Getting Uh, to what matters most, all the way from Amsterdam. He's on a mission to help you and make better choices, uh, figure out how to tackle the world's biggest problems faster. Very, very laudable work. Uh, Rick was head of product for Blendle, the startup that's rejigging the journalism model, which is when I started following him. Um, But now Rick is working on, amongst other things, Rise, a next generation calendar that helps find time for what's important to you. I'm going to be asking about that later. But first, welcome to Mouthwash, Rick. What was the first thing you thought of when you woke up today? Hey, Paul. Uh, Thanks for having me so much. Um, First thought. Wow, that's a good one. So actually, I'm I'm going to move uh, in a couple of of weeks, move Mm -hmm. from, from Amsterdam to a town close by. And I must say, next to running, uh, next to running a startup and managing a household uh, of young kids, this is another big project. So when I woke up, I was thinking, okay, I need to arrange a whole list of things that I don't have time for actually for t- today. So, um, so that was the first thing. <laughs> yeah, good fun. What's your current working? You know, this season's all about the future of work. What's your current situation yes. when it comes to work? Are you back in the office? Did you never have an office? Where are you at? Yeah, so so I um, I'm a huge fan. I was a huge fan of working in the office. So when, actually, when I was in Blendle, I was a, I was most of the time uh, one of the first in the office, and a lot of the times one of the one of the last one going out. And actually, when the when the pandemic starts uh, started, um, I moved to um, uh, to move to to work for myself, and then started to work from home a lot more. And um, when I was planning the new startup, when I was planning Rise, we initially thought, okay, let's let's find an office here in Amsterdam and then work from there. But actually, um, we uh, as 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 we moved forward, 
um, we found that we were in like one and a half years in so used to being alone in an office for most of the day, um, which is actually really nice. And, and I think um, uh, the more and more we did this, the more we thought, um, okay, actually, let's try with this new company. Let's try to uh, embrace this new way of working and let's let's see what, what it can bring. Um, and actually, we thought this is the only time that we can really experiment with um, uh, with being distributed, so having no office. So actually, I rent a small place because I, I live in a really small house in Amsterdam, but I rent a small place, but it's actually me being in a, in a room. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the new way of working. And I, I actually kind of like it. So um, that's my situation. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of hybrid at the moment. I always have been for the last sort of nine years really working with um, Hereforth, but um, more and more I find myself liking sort of one space. So I use Fora, which is sort of a co-working uh, space, ah. very focused on wellness and that sort of stuff. What surprised you the most over the last two years when it comes to your working style or the people around you's working style as well? Um, so, so what really surprised me is that um, uh, initially, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, we started we started saying, okay, this is this will permanently change uh, our routines and the way of work. And what really surprised me is that mo- that actually a lot of people believe that this would, for also for large companies, change the setting permanently. And I think um, um, right, so, so so this event happened, and then. That would change. That, that would change um, everything. And actually, of course, as things progressed, uh, everyone uh, noticed that this will need our attention, um, and this will need uh, intentional thinking uh, about um, how, like, what do we want out of work, and what kind of re- workplace do we do we actually want and like. And I think um, uh, what's so so what surprised me is that a lot of people thought um, uh, this happened. This is the new way of working, and of course, a couple of months ago, when when a lot of companies started to announce, like, "Hey, we're going to get back to the office," a lot of people were um, were getting mad about that because they're they were just used to um, to this new to this new setup, right? So, um, uh, and I and I think uh, this this is also the line through um, a lot of the work that I do is that um, intention is is super important, and mm. um, and if we can bring that to our personal way of working, but also as teams, um, that this this matters a lot. So we need to think before we start on like, okay, what what do I actually want? What do I want out of this? And I think that's uh, that's a, always a super useful question uh, to to ask and answer uh, individually and as a group. Mm. Okay, that's a good setup. Uh, I think people have got a good idea of where you are in the world and what you're what you're doing. Um, on your website, uh, you don't have an about you section, which I thought was really interesting. You, instead, you've got a user guide, which is both yeah. genius and I think hilarious. When I first saw it, I was like, that can't be the bit about him bit. And it was. Um, it's got a lot of good things on there, though, about how you expect things to be, how you like to be treated. And it sort of struck me. I thought like, cracky, if we all came with that, that would be much more useful for people than like, you know, all the bragging and the boasting about what we did. And I'm thinking of doing one for myself. Do, do you think we should all publish user guides like this? I think, I think, so I think it's, it's, it's indeed a bit, a bit cheeky, right? I mean, um, you would figure that something like that should be more, I don't know, more organic, right? You start to work together with people and then you figure out at some point how someone is and, I don't know how, how you are doing this, but if you if you work alone, well, a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff doesn't really matter. But if you start working with a team and you have people around you, it can be super useful to know, like, hey, this is how I would like to work, um, and here's here is how how you can work best with me. And I think um, you can you can get rid of a lot of the ramp up um, mm-hmm. if you define that. And I think especially with working remote. So we have now two, two guys. One is, uh, one is in Berlin and one is in, in the UK to work for us. And um, you, you only have a lot of screen time together. You don't have a lot of office time, like physical time together. So uh, if, in, in that case, it's even more important that um, things like, small things like, um, do you reach me over text or do you call me if it's really urgent? Like these things can be super annoying if you, um, have to explain that every time, uh, every time over and over. So I think uh, creating a user guide uh, for yourself, like like we have it for 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 um, well for the devices that we use, is something that could um, it could help not not just the team but also yourself to to write this out sometime. Like, hey, what, what's uh, what would be super helpful if what people know about me 
uh, from the get-go. Mm. No, I really liked it. I thought it was a really fresh sort of take on what it should be. Um, okay, <laughs> on with the book. Grip, uh, very, very good, uh, accessible read, uh, really good habit-forming information in there. Um, you start the book with a big chunk on calendars. Um, mm. I have worked at places that require it to be up to date every minute uh, <laughs> to, to completely unstructured. I'm, I'm much more of the latter and that sort of thing. You call in the book your calendar your rock. So for you, yeah. it's the former rather than the latter. Why is that? Yeah, so, I, so I'm, I'm super curious to hear why um, um, why you tend to be more of the instru- instructor. So maybe we can get to that in a bit. But but what I what I personally really like is that um, of all the tools, this is the one tool that's finite, and um, our lives are finite as well. So I think um, uh, in 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 this in the time, like we ha- we only have so much time for us to to make decisions about and our to do lists. And our mailbox are go, they will go on and on, right? They there's no limit to that. And um, I find that the structure of the calendar really forces me to make the decisions that I need to make um, because I can only do so much. And uh, so that's for me that's super helpful and also very confronting. Like people, if, if people start 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 doing that, they will always reach out to me and say, "Hey, Rick." Uh, dude, I, I try to put all the stuff in my calendar, but it's it's too much. So do you have a hack for me, like how to put it all in? And I'm, of course, always saying like, this is exactly why you should do this because now you start to see why why this is such a um, why you have too much on your plate, and that you need to do something about it. Of course, the thing that you need to do is to decide and say no uh, way more often to to the things that um, that are less important. So, mm-hmm. so for me, that's that that's that's the perspective, and why I started the calendar um, to link a, a time to a specific task, and and, and that's key. That's key for me. But I'm I'm really curious how this how this for you. And did, did you end up in the, um, uh, doing the more like you work with the different perspectives, requirements from different workplaces? So why did you end up with being more the unstructured uh, kind of type? Oh, good question. I think partly it was probably probably to do with rebellion against the former because it was sort of forced upon us. And then the other one is I just don't think in that sort of way, if that makes sense. I, I can chunk a period of time out and I'm good at chunking. But um, really, for me, it sort of made very little sense to for everybody to know where I am at the same day. It's like, my phone works. If you need to call me, if someone's bleeding, like use the phone and dial 911, you know, and that sort of stuff. So for me, it was just sort of the processes around it were sort of not not 100% right. But yeah, I, you know, I'm a writer and I do lots of other bits and bobs on the side and that sort of thing. So for me, the unstructured bit works, but I know it doesn't for a lot of people. So I, I thought it was interesting that you sort of led with that. So yeah. Um, I really so especially, like, oh, sorry. Yes. So, so, so especially in, if you're in a team, right? I mean, if you are, if you are um, um, more like like disconnected from a from a from an organization, or maybe outside like, as a contractor or as a freelancer, um, people have not not so much to say about your calendar. But if you're in a team and the team can see your calendar, I think it's even more important to block off time because otherwise, of course, what happens is that. Um, your days get run over. Like, like a, if, if you're not managing your time yourself, if you're not booking off time for yourself, someone else is doing that for you. And I think that's that's something that's that that might be a little bit less crucial if you are in a really small team. Um, but especially in large large teams, like there's no way to to survive from my perspective if if you if you're not doing that. Yeah, it's it sort of it it talks about a theme that I've sort of been thinking for a lot of this series. Um, Hybrid working means knowing when people are available, like you just said. It's almost key, if that makes sense. And in some cases, notifications are the sort of devil of all of those sorts of bits because they are literally to steal attention rather than to alert, which was what what they were intended for. Um, All these things say one thing to me, really, and it's that autonomy in the workplace is broken. Um, To what degree do you agree with that statement? I think a lot of people... um... I, 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 would, I would disagree with that a little bit because um, uh, when when uh, when people deal with this uh, kind of stuff and they have some basic suggestions and tricks to how to do this, they find that there's there's actually a lot more autonomy than they think. Um, it's the same as that if you if if you deal with a manager and a manager asks you, can you hey, can you do X, Y, or Z for me? That we always assume that that needs to happen right now. 
And the one thing that I always suggest people to do is say, okay, I'm, I'm going to, um, hey, this is a request that now comes in. I'm going to check it and get back to you. And then, um, and then for example, ask, hey, is it okay if I do this next Monday or early next week? And then you find that most often there is plenty of space. Um, and there's like, sure, it's fine to take a couple of days. Of course, like we don't expect, if we ask something, we don't expect anything to happen right off the bat. And I think, um, that's a long answer to the question of, of that. I think that a lot of people have way more autonomy than they think, but they assume that they have to respond to anything that comes their way. And I think it's also, of course, because because of the new technologies that we have and that we are always connected, it's super easy to reach us. And we have to be a little bit mindful of, um, okay, how do we deploy these technologies for ourselves and how and, and, and when do we let it run over? Um, and uh, run, run over us, uh, basically, and our, our own priorities. So, uh, so I, I would say this is this is part of culture uh, in a team and in, in organizations, and um, and we should do way more um, if we are leaders to not only explain what needs to be done, but also how that needs to be done and how they can get done and how they um, how they can respond to extra questions um, uh, because that's that's something that's that's part of work. Uh, how to how to do this and how to prioritize mm. a, a big part of the book is really to do with um oh, excuse the pun to-do lists um why do, why do so many people struggle to control you know what the tasks that they have to do um well i think that's a really good question i'm i'm actually don't i actually am not completely sure i think um why do people struggle with that so much is that um that that our lives are are not getting any simpler and we have next to the stuff that needs to happen during the day um we also have to take care of a lot of stuff around us and our work is getting more complicated because it's more and more international it's more um uh, across the globe it's it's, a, it's across different time zones um it's across different disciplines and stuff like that but also on the home front we also want to be uh, we also want to be fully there if we are at home and we also want to be connected with our friends and family so um, I think we demand a lot of ourselves. And I think you can see that in the numbers uh, as well, where a lot of people suffer from um, either symptoms or, 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 or like they experience a full, full burnout. And that's, that's because uh, just, just as there's, there's so much that we can get involved with. And so we want to be involved with that. So, um, uh, so, so, so that's one part of it that we are just overwhelmed with the sheer um, amount of possibilities and then the second part to that is of course that if there are so many possibilities and if there are so many things that we want to get involved with we need to have some kind of way to manage that and not everything fits in the week so we need to have some kind of system and i i rely heavily on the stuff that david allen uh, published in getting things done um, a long time ago which is about um okay how do i manage all of that well, not in your head, right? That's not the place to put it. So you need to, you need to put it somewhere else. And uh, and I learned a lot from him, and I'm, I try to um, give my take on that in in the in the chapter uh, on to do list to make that really really accessible. And I think at the, the core of it is that we all use our brains to store stuff that we should not actually store in our brains. So I always advise people to. to or ask or almost beg people from, from now on, please never store anything in your head ever again, because it's not, it's not built for that. It's not, um, it's not helping you. Um, um, it's not helping you to really move the needle. Instead, get something else. It can be paper, can be software, can be whatever. It should, it should be a simple one system. And then you put everything in there. And from that moment on, uh, if anything pops into, into your brain, you put it in there. So you can focus on what's what's at hand um, fully, uh, and I think that's the key. Mm. Dan Pink, um, he's the New York Times best-selling author of When Drive. He's also on Mouthwash later this season. He gave you a blurb yeah. for the book, and he said, "If you feel like a hostage to your to-do list and struggle to find time for what matters most, this book will be a big help." Obviously, congrats, nice, nice book blurb. But when yeah. and why did we become hostages to to-do lists and workplaces? What's what went wrong, and why oh, why did we allow it? 
well, that's a deep question. I think I think there, it's a sense of that we we all really want to contribute, right? And I think uh, I cannot speak for whole whole of humanity, but I can speak for for the young people that I know around me, and they are really passionate about what's going on, not just with their own life. They don't want to get just filthy rich, but they also want to make sure they do the right things for 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 the planet. They want to be involved with uh with their again with their friends and family they want to be like fully in the world and i guess um that's tough um and uh and 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 it's a bit of a of a repeat of of what i what i just said before but i guess um that's taking its toll and um because because everything is so accessible to us it's also uh, well bef- before all that like let's say f- 50 years ago uh, so five zero, we we like a lot of stuff did not reach us at all, and now everything reaches us. So I, I guess we need to be um, really conscious about what we what we engage with, and that's something that we are well not taught, right? So um, I guess that's that, that's a, that's a huge part of um, of being intentional with your time. Um, uh, so so being conscious about what you engage with and what not, um, what you get angry about and what not, because, um, well, I, I, I really believe that the world needs more, uh, way more focused people that um, are willing to dive deep in a handful of subjects and be willing to say, all right, this is a topic, can be any topic that I do not really care about. For me, that's all the crypto stuff currently, right? I mean, I, I, I might be stupid for not, for not being really engaged, but I don't have the bandwidth right now to form a full opinion. So I'm not on either side of the fence. I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, this is something that if I really want to know more, I should dive in and learn more, but I don't have the time. So I, I make it, make a decision to not be involved with that currently. And I guess I should do that on maybe even more topics. Um, but I think we should all do that to be pretty conscious about where we are uh, engaged in. Absolutely. I, I think that's key. I think people just overstretch themselves all the time because they're told you need to do you need to be a generous, you need to know about everything. But I do I do believe that there is a really good part of people's brains that is just like I'm a specialist on X, Y and Z, you know, 100 percent agree with that point. If you were to be asked, put your cards on the table, gun to your head. What's the biggest issue facing people at work right now that they can fix themselves, though? Oh, I think. It's. Um, I think it's. It's. It's being aligned on, um, on what's actually most important, and uh, that's that's a huge topic in itself. But if I talk to teams, if I talk to people that are in complex organizations, um, people want to be um, uh, autonomous in a certain in a certain kind of way, so they want to have influence over what they do. But um, you need alignment from in a in a large group on what you're actually tackling. And this is not a sexy topic, but this is something where, um, uh, especially in larger organizations, you can have a huge influence over what you can reach if you are aligned. And for me, that's a combination of leadership. That's a combination of like the, the structures and, and processes that you apply, but it's also a, a, a huge part of that social technology. And I think um, if, you, if you think about how technology helped us in in the past in the past decade to uh, to shape how we work it has not really changed right it, there there's there's some helpful tools but it's mainly translations of um the stuff that we did on paper towards uh, towards it towards like a like a, a like a spreadsheet right so there's there's a bunch of things like that so i guess there's so much we can win uh, in that sense um, by uh, by not not just a process, but also a combination of alignment uh, in team and um, and methodologies and smart tools to help us do that. Oh, I like that. We'll talk about more about the technology in a sec. I just want to remind people that are in the room, if you do want to ask any questions, um, we're actually recording this for the podcast that goes out afterwards, but um, just drop me a DM or a tweet with Mouthwash Show in it and uh, I'll ask your question as well. But yeah, um, let's kick up a gear for a sec. Talk to me about Rise, the new calendar you are building. What's wrong with calendar apps that really needs to be fixed? So what, what what we were thinking about um, a lot in last year is like, hey, 
what's something that um, uh, that that could help teams move their work forward? And I'm really lucky to have a to have two co-founders now, and one of them is Emil. And Emil is um, is a is a really talented designer, but also product thinker. And he's actually someone that um, that could not be um, more opposite on these kind of things that, than I am. So. Well, while while I'm a productivity uh, uh, nerd, so to say, he is really like, uh, okay, something needs to have zero friction and needs to require zero discipline for me to in order to to do it, right? So, uh, and I think that's that's one of the driving forces in in how I'm looking at at the product is, hey, how can we make a product that helps teams make better decisions about their time without requiring more things to fill in, more forms, more structures, more lists, more like complicated things. And I think um, uh, when we were interviewing people and interviewing teams um, and looking at their calendars, we noticed that so much time um, is in pockets of time that are like the intervals that that are are not usable for deep work. And I, I love the book from, from Cal Newport on this stuff. Like how can we be more? Um, uh, how, how can we 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 reach better qualities of the work that we do? Well, in order to do that, we need longer stretches of uh, of time that's not broken up in pieces. And one of the goals that we set for ourselves with Rise is how can we build a calendar that not only helps you find the time with your team, um, but actually make sure that you have as like individuals in the team have as as uh, the lo- longest possible stretches of uninterrupted time as possible um so that's what, what we're actually tackling interesting uh, what would you say is the killer feature for rise yeah so what we what we actually built is um is a scheduling engine and this scheduling engine is uh, basically a, a layer on top of um, the calendar not not just yours but also of your colleagues and what we do is we calculate how much time each of the individuals in the team um, are able to spend in focus time. So at least two hours of uninterrupted time. And then you can ask this engine a question. You can basically say, okay, um, find me one hour with colleague A, B, and C in the next week. And then we're going to find the slot that's not just available, but is also like the has the least least possible impact in terms of focus time. Um, and then we're going to just book that. Um, uh, so that's so that's the first part. But uh, actually, what we're also using this engine for is that we're now monitoring those events, and, and you can put them on, on autopilot. And basically, as time progresses, um, we'll move this meeting around. And I think what's super interesting about that is to see the dynamic in teams when they find out that the calendar is not just something that's just set in stone. But for some meetings, it's fine if they move around a little bit, uh, only like they need a certain time uh, for the meeting, um, of course, to, 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 to settle down and that, that you can depend that your schedule is not changing all the time during the day. But up until, up until like the day before, the end of the day, the end of the day uh, before, it's fine if stuff changes and, and moves around. And by that, we can optimize so much time. Like we, for, for a team of 20 or 30, we can easily win back 100, uh, 100 plus hours per week that teams can uh, reclaim in terms of focus time, which is like mind blowing uh, to me. And when you think about it, that that could be then turned into a four day work week, right? Exactly. And then what we what, so we, when we chat to um, to teams and especially when we chat with HR people or, or CEOs, they say like, "Hey, I can. So if I roll this out, I reclaim this time." Um, or I can hire two extra people to get this time. Well, that's an easy that's 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 an easy calculation to make, right? So, uh, yeah, so that's that's a, that's that's a quite a no brainer for for them. Um, let's talk. The the book also talks about email habits. It's broken into three parts, isn't it? And that's something. But an email is sort of a, a thing throughout the whole whole lot. It is a bugbear of mine that more people aren't directing emails. But do you think that email problems are because we aren't good at being succinct, or that it's easy to take offense to things? So, so one part, and of course, and I noticed that with with um, with you as well. Like you have um, you have a really clear how to how to respond that tells me what to do, right? If I send you an email, and I think, well, that's part of it. But the other part, like like just being really direct in, like, hey, this is how you can reach me. This is what to do, and this is what not to do. So I think that's really powerful. Um, on, on the other hand, I think um, we expect, especially again in teams, but also as an individual. 
that we need to be able to handle communication on the site. So it's between meetings, it's just after work, it's the first thing that we see when we wake up. Uh, and of course, if we try to do that right then and there, or if we try to do all the email from our phones, or if we try to do that while we are in line in the grocery store, we're not going to do our best work. And email is communication and communication is hard. And my biggest point in the book that I make is that if we value communication, if we think this is crucial to do our best work, we need to schedule time for it. It's, it's not more complicated than that. If I value writing good emails, I need to block off time to go over my emails to make sure that I map them um, with my priorities. I book time for them. I sit down behind a desk full focus, nothing else going on. And then I start to answer them with my full presence. And I think what happens a lot is that we are not doing that. And of course, we're complaining that there's too much. And of course, we're complaining that things blow up in our face. But that also happens because we're not spending uh, our, our, best, uh, our best energy on it. Um, the sort of antithesis to email is obviously instant messaging. One one is sort of passive and you can read it whenever it comes through. The other one seems to be sort of grabbing attention, you know, and that sort of stuff. Instant messaging yeah. does seem to be dying a death, though, the phrase mm -hmm. I mean. More than ever, mm -hmm. we're pinged and booped into sort of breaking our attention. But actually, mm -hmm. it's a sort of strategy to say, hey, when can I, when can I interrupt you? Um, do you think it's a fair strategy for colleagues to turn off notifications? What do you think is the best way to use messaging platforms at the moment? Yeah, so 100%, I would say that um, uh, it, like turning off notifications is a no-brainer and should be propagated throughout the, the workplace everywhere. Like this is the biggest gift you can give yourself, but also your team to basically say, hey, please like turn it off if you care about your the quality of your work and it's okay to turn it off. And we have an emergency channel. Um, and for our team, that's maybe, uh, all right, if it's really urgent, I will send you a text. And that's when I really expect you to immediately um, jump, on, ju jump on whatever channel you, you use for instant communication. Um, so that's one part. The other part is um, that you start to see that people uh, are on there if the, the, the biggest and important decisions are also announced in these channels. And if you have the feeling that if you're not there, you lose the ability to have influence over big things that are happening in a company, then, of course, that creates a dynamic where it's really important that you are always on. Right. So what, what, what we also try to do um, uh, is to um, think about how to move towards a more asynchronous way of collaboration. And the very easy thing to do is basically say, OK, if I'm thinking about something, I'm creating a document, a shared document in Notion or whatever tool you use. And then you use that to have a discussion. And, and, to, and that's so helpful because if you do that, you shift from, hey, I need to be um, uh, right then and there to be able to take part in the discussion. And you can basically say, hey, you can take a look at this um, whenever you are ready. Uh, and then you can bring your best self to that. So um, it's not enough to say you turn off the notifications because you need to have uh, an alternative for people to say, okay, but I, do, I don't want to um, get disconnected. So how do I um, how, 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 how can I be connected to the biggest, biggest decision that are made in the team? And you need to provide, uh, provide a way to, to do that, actually. To, you need to think about that as well. I, I like the idea of an emergency channel and sort of thing. It, it sort of bewilders me why people have notifications if the instant sort of um, behavior is to turn them off. It's something I'm going to be asking Rory Sutherland, um, a behavioral economist later on in the sort of series. So definitely um, tune in for that. One thing that was in the book, which I really loved, was the Friday recap. It seems like a very mm. powerful tool, a very simple thing to do, but most people probably don't do it. Can you explain mm. what it is and how it works? Yeah, so so one of the big connecting tissue uh, in the book is um, the the idea that you should always separate strategy from execution. And the thing is that a lot of the times we are switching gears constantly, right? So you you pick up a task, you think about, 
hey, does this need to re really happen right now? Or does it need to happen tomorrow? How important this is actually, what does it mean to me? What does this mean to my bigger goals? And, um, and of course, we're going to ask ourselves this question if we do not have a space and a time dedicated to think about what's important to me and where, where do I want to go? And for me, that's um, actually a couple of components. So one is indeed to fight a recap or a weekly review or however you want to call it, but it's also doing a quarterly review for me and doing an annual review for me. So um, I have these three set up and these three allow me to basically postpone the discussions, the internal discussions like, am I on the right track? What am I doing? And is it important towards these moments? So at the end of the week, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. Um, but I do know that um, on these moments, so one evening per quarter, a full evening, and then two days per year, and this section in the week um, is dedicated to think, is dedicated to think about, hey, um, how did last week go? And how do I want to spend my, my next week? And is everything in order to zoom out a little bit? Um, and I think that's one of the one of the things that we expect from a from a leader and from a manager to give to us, to hand to us, like, hey, this is what's important. This is what you should do. On the other hand, we are also um, uh, uh, requesting a lot of autonomy. Well, you cannot have autonomy without thinking for yourself um, what you would do if you have this, uh, this, uh, this level of autonomy. So, um, um, uh, so I'm always saying you can grow in that by making sure you get, this, you get these sessions in. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's a routine, it's a habit. If you cannot stick to it, um, I, I'm, I'm with you because I'm, I'm also struggling, struggling with this. Um, and you can, of course, apply the, the, like the hacks to get into the habit of doing a routine. So making it smaller, making it more easy to get into. But what really helps me is to think about, um, and like I, if I don't have these things, I will end up making, making way worse decisions. And if I would, if I would suggest one thing to the, to the listeners now, it's like, um, if you want to have, um, if, if you want to improve your decision-making and if you want to have a bigger impact for yourself in terms of the things that you want to accomplish or reach, um, you need this thinking time because that's the number one way to, to uh, level up your decision-making. And that's really what, what a lot of people do want. So, um, and this is a really easy way to, um, to, start, uh, to start doing that. So that's the gist of having set times for reflection and planning. And then the, the Friday recap is a really simple thing. What I actually do is, is, is I have a small checklist and I sit down, I look at my calendar of last week. So I start with that and I select each and every event. And then I think about, hey, um, from last week, did I leave anything on the table? Do I need to... Um, send an email or follow up. Um, do I have open tasks for this? And then I organize my calendar for next week and think about, hey, what are the three biggest things that I want to accomplish next week? What? How do I make the next week a success? Like I'm thinking about what if not my, la my next week is the last week before I go on holiday? Because that's a very useful trigger for me to think about um, uh, to, make, to think about prioritization, right? Uh, if it's my last week, I'm going to be really tough. I'm going to think, okay, no, no, not not A, B, and C, but I'm going to do this this project um, uh, X and Y, and um, so that's what I will what I will do. And then I go over my projects, my tasks, I make sure that my next week is in order. And that's a really nice way to say goodbye to the week and then head over to the weekend to decompress, to relax a little bit, and then on Monday starts um, really, really organized. Um, if you struggle with that, if you think about, hey, um, I cannot keep that up, I suggest to make it smaller. Um, we, we, we tend to make these kind of structures um, larger and more complicated if we cannot stick to them. Um, well, that's the, that's, the, that's the wrong way to go, I guess. I think it's important to make these structures simpler, have fewer questions, make it shorter, and also pick a time that works for you. So for some, that's, well, that ends up being Monday morning because that's when you are fresh. Fine, do that. Spend 10 minutes thinking on Monday morning, how will I make this week a success? And I can guarantee you um, that will have, uh, have a huge effect uh, in itself.
I, I love the idea of chunking stuff up. I also love the fact that most people in the waking world seem to think that Monday is the day where everything should be done. It's fresh, it's new, and that's the thing. I'm like, it's just a day. Like the the pressure on someone to do it, especially now when you've got like a full working week, whenever you want, wherever you want, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. The opportunities to change that mentality just adds so much stress to people's lives. Monday, it's coming, you know, and it's just unnecessary. I think more than anything else nowadays, you can change these sorts of things. Um, 100%. Let, let's go up high for a bit. You end the book on large, big picture items, life stuff. Does that make sense? Mm. Thinking big mm. also comes up. How do bosses get their employees to think big when getting fired is a reality? You might have a traumatised workforce with a fractured culture. What's the process to making that work? I think actually that's a question that I'm, that I'm not an expert on because I really focus on individuals. And um, so if you would ask me how, how as a boss do I get my team to do that? Um, I think the one thing that I would suggest, um, thinking out loud, but that's, um, that you should focus on yourself first. If you do not do this yourself, um, if you don't have, um, have your own planning in order, how would you expect that your team do do that? Um, I would always start there. Um, uh, but then, uh, thinking big as a, as an individual is a, is a deeply individual thing. And it, it's really hard to motivate uh, people for stuff that they're not excited about. So I would I would actually uh, have a conversation um, with, and that's what I do with the team. I think uh, I, I always um, argue that um, you want, if you want meaningful work, if you want to have a sense of, of autonomy in your work, well, this is a strategy to do that. If you have something else to do that, that's also fine. But it's about your work and your job and, and your feeling of, um, uh, of accomplishing something that matters to you, and if that's something that you care about, well, this this is one strategy to uh, to apply. But I would really start with yourself because I see a lot of managers and leaders that well, like um, <laughs> that they ask from their team to be more um, willing to write down stuff and to be more strategic. And then if I point point the finger back to them and ask, hey, how like can we, can you show me how strategic you are? They respond like, yeah, but I'm 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 way too busy for for that. I cannot do that because I have such a complicated job. Well, that's the that's a good place to um, <laughs> to start. Then I guess. Mm. Um, I think a lot of leaders are going through a massive period of traumatization themselves and realization of, of figuring out what they've built or had a hand in building and where it's sort of at. And I think the tools that people use at the moment are quite interesting. Whether they're over reliance on them at a as a at a, a you know, at risk of their culture, all that sort of thing is, is really interesting. I think a lot of people are starting to figure out that they, they need to do a lot more than send care packages and that sort of thing. It's two years now as we've sort of gone through, you know, massive change. But when I talk to people about about the season and what, what we were looking for out of it, um, they said, yeah, we're not doing any of that. It's sort of like back, we're trying to get them back to business and sort of getting them refocused. And I was, I was like, that's a massive opportunity you're leaving on the table there for like big sort of changes um, and that sort of thing. So it, it was quite interesting. I, f- I find, you know, different different sizes of businesses and different makeups. I'm really excited to talk to um, the people at Noble. They're, they're talking about organisational change and sort of set up about, you know, structures and that sort of thing. It's quite sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things in the book that I learned when I was going through it was focusmates.com. Uh, it's a service that allows two people to connect and work side by side for 50 minutes. Uh, the camera's on the whole time. Uh, I was both amazed and enthralled that that exists in the world. Um, but what do you think it says about society and the way we're working? What do you, what do you think that says? <laughs> well, it's, um, it's focusmate uh, without the S, um, uh, dot com. I, I think... Um, I would I would actually suggest for everyone to try that at least once because that like they, you can do three um, free sessions. What does that say about us? I think we um, it's it's not that complicated. We have we are um, uh, more and more um, we have so we have so many things around us that are easy to pick up. Right, there's always some some easy tasks, um, and I think there has never been really a time where um we um we love doing the hard things right there is no there is no um well no point in time where where we love that more than now it's just we are um a lot of times we are just with ourselves behind our desk and no one is looking and of course if you are a little bit tired if you have a little bit of sense of um um well there's no direction or you have to be really conscious about that 
and you are a bit tired, then it's easy to shift to something easy. And I think we can, we need all the help we can get. So that means, well, the stuff that we already discussed, um, that turning off the notifications and the, like the organizing of our workplace, but sometimes you need a little bit extra and these tools can be super helpful. And I, I use them from, I use Focusmate from time to time because sometimes you're just like cranking through, um, a boring part of the work and you need to send I don't know, 50 uh, emails to clients that need, need need a little update and you just need to plow through that. Well, then, then it can be really helpful to say, okay, I'm going to sit down, get my ass in the chair, commit to do this in the next hour, be really focused and then have someone look over my shoulder or have a camera on so that I'm not going to, I don't know, switch over to Netflix. Um, that can be, that can be really helpful. And I, I actually don't think that's really um, a sign of our times. It's just that it's super visible now and that our work is more individual. It's, it, I think it's really hard to, if you are, um, like if you are a knowledge worker, but if you are not a knowledge worker, if you are um, a contractor on uh, and building a house, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to switch to, um, to Netflix, right? But we can do that if we are behind the desk. And I think um, it's just um, linked to the type of work that um, that we do, uh, and I don't see that as um, as necessary a, uh, something that's a, that's a bad development. Um, I just see these type of tools as a, as a nice additions to uh, to help uh, help us get through. Okay, we are coming to the end of our time, but I want to ask everyone this season: What's your take on the metaverse and work? Are we going to be avatars floating between virtual offices, or is buying stock in Zoom still a great idea? Where's it all going, Rick? <laughs> so. I'm actually like I, I discuss it with a lot of people, and and um, of course there's two uh, big sides to that, and one is the the more the 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 people that are more like yeah I'm I'm going to stick to what we had, and there's a bunch of people that that think like hey um, we might uh, want to end up in in uh, in these type of situations that you just described as floating avatars. I think for a lot of stuff we are already. Um, there and um, we are used so one of the examples that I love is that um, at, like 15 years ago before the first iPhone you could not imagine typing on a virtual keyboard uh, because the experience is uh, was so much worse than a physical keyboard so that's why we wanted the physical keyboard and then if someone suggested to do that switching to um, switching to um, a virtual keyboard we would re reject that and of course today we cannot live without our tappable keyboards anymore and it's helping us uh, it's helping us it's, it's become a part of how we work and we're not thinking about that anymore and it, that's also the way i'm thinking about um a virtual or hybrid workspace or like um or or the metaverse in that sense i think um uh, in in a way um there is there's still a ton to be gained uh in that in that sense and done uh, there's a ton of stuff that that can be helpful for us and yes of course it feels some parts feel awkward, and we're just at, at the beginning. So I'm, um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that um, there definitely will be parts there uh, where where we can um, work together in a virtual environment. That's super helpful. Actually, as a team, we have been using um, a tool that's called Around, um, which is uh, which is a video calling software, but it's actually different from from the Zooms and the other stuff that's out there. As in, it projects three small or three, four, five, six small circles on your desktop where you see your teammates. So I have my camera on uh, most of the time during the day and I see the rest of my team um, and we are on mute. But if I want to ask something, I just unmute myself and then ask the question. Well, you could argue that this is also a metaverse because we are not in a physical same room, but we do see each other. And, um, um, and this is just an, an, an iteration on seeing each other on video uh, in, in a more accessible way. And um, I see this progressing a lot uh, and I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to what, what this will bring uh, and, and where we can take this.
Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what different people say about it. I get, I get so many viewpoints and sort of from a tech nerd perspective, I'm I'm in a hog heaven. I love it. Whatever's coming, it's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, I, I always think it's interesting how people answer that. My mother, very different answer, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got tons more questions, but we're running out of time. But as ever, we end with Desert Island Tweets, the part of mouthwash where the guest picks a tweet or two that's changed their mind or way of thinking in some way. So if you turn your attention to the nest, Rick, you uh, there's a tweet up there by Tim Urban, uh, wait mm. at, who uh, runs the account Wait But Why, at Wait But Why. Um, and it says, when parents raise a child, they install elements of their psyche in them. When one of those elements is damaged, the damage is usually passed on. So self-improvement isn't selfish. It's repairing the family psyche, which improves the lives of all generations downstream. Why did you pick this one? Yeah, I picked this one because it's really changed um I, I've always been like for years been interested in self-development and how, how, can, how can I change the way I work? And I've also, and you've seen that in the book, I've been trying to not just link that to hardcore, get more stuff done uh, in a, in a, like in a, in a superficial kind of way. Um, and, and I always wanted to connect it to something, to something deeper, like, like something that's even beyond myself. And I think, um uh, tim really hit the nail on the head with this one and that's why it resonated so much that it's it's some it's it's also in a part repairing uh and it's changing not just yourself but also um changing your future generations and i think that's a part that's often dismissed and that's why some people that really try to work on themselves or on their productivity get dismissed as like hey they're they just want to get more for themselves but this is the 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 perspective that i that i love about that um that uh, improving yourself even if, if, whether you have or have not or do not have kids i think it's something that uh, improves um not just your life but actually the lives that um that come after us uh, which i think is um is a nice thought right it, i think it's um i get a warm feeling of that so that's good oh good i'm glad i like that we're leaving on a nice warm thought so that's good <laughs> Okay, that is a wrap on episode one of season four. My thanks to Rick Pastor for giving me his time and intelligence on improving productivity. Make sure you buy the book, uh, Grip, and sign up for the newsletter Work in Progress. They're all available on his uh, website. Um, Rick, any final words of advice for the listeners? Uh, it's just, I think this is this season. Um, this theme is something that's that's that I'm really excited about. Uh, I I'm super glad to be part of that uh, and uh, be part of the kickoff. So thank you so much for for having me. I, I guess the one thing that I would say is that this is a valuable investment of um, of your time. Uh, hopefully not just this one, but actually the sessions that are here to come. So uh, if I would suggest something, that's uh, to tune in for the next one. Um, and again, thanks, uh, Paul, for uh, for having me. Oh, Rick, check is in the post. I love that. All right. Up next on Mouthwash is Gretchen Rubin, creator of the Four Tendencies Framework and five times New York Times bestselling author. Uh, We'll be talking all things happiness, work-life balance and communication. I recommend you highly don't miss it. She is an incredibly intelligent person. Mouthwash is produced by the team at Big Tent Media. Special thanks to my producer, the wonderful Suze. Finally, never miss a moment of Mouthwash by getting a text alert when we go live. They're super handy. Uh, The guests are incredible this season. You won't want to miss an episode. If you want to do that, head to mouthwash.norby.live and you'll be all set. That's mouthwash.norby.live and you'll be all set. I recommend you do it now. I'm a firm believer that you do not remember the days, we remember the moments, and I hope this has been one for you. I am Paul Armstrong. This is Mouthwash. Listen in again soon to get fresh chat that leaves you more confident. Thanks for listening to Mouthwash. Please share it in a network you trust and check out our sponsors. Season four of Mouthwash was sponsored by Workplace by Meta. The easy to use features at Workplace help people work together in new ways. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. That's workplace.com forward slash human. Have a great day.